0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So hello everyone, and continuing on the theme, and I uh, thinking we just did this morning that this theme of uh, I call it ready for change, is, um, <clears throat> seems perfect for the end of the year, getting ready for the new year, to look forward to, a little bit to the new year that we are preparing ourselves so that we can be changed in a good way, a beneficial way with what comes in this new time. So how do we prepare ourselves? And so for the Buddha, he prepared people for his liberating insights. He would give dharma talks that created certain mind states for people, or I don't know if created is the right word, but inspired it in people. And so those there were five things that he, when he saw were present in people, he would give them their his deepest teachings. And those five things that that he recognized in people's minds was there was a readiness, a receptivity, there was, uh, there is... Uh, a malleability, a workability of the mind. The mind is soft enough to really, you know, take something in and be changed by it. They're free of the hindrances. And the usual translation for the fourth one is, for today, is elated. Uh, to be, uh, I think, inspired is a good way of talking about it. Uh, and then we'll talk about tomorrow is, um, is, uh, it, the usual translation is confidence. I like the word trust there, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. The word also means uh, kind of luminously bright. So, um, but today is elated, so there's a way of being inspired that certainly can be so uh, preoccupying, so we can lose ourselves in it, that we're not available to the world and to experience, to teachings, to be changed by it. But it's also possible to be inspired or or gladdened or elated uh, in such a way that the mind gets quiet or still to really now listen well, to really take in, to really allow the experience of the moment to really penetrate deeply. And um, and so that second type of inspiration is uh, what uh, I think the Buddha was pointing towards. And so, this word, um, to be inspired and, um, and, uh, or to be elated or to be happy in a way. Um, so the Buddha, uh, would inspire that in people. Uh, the classic texts say that by giving a talk, uh, giving Dharma talks that covered a range of, of, uh, themes, that I think uh, we, you know, were inspiring, were really got people's attention, really they got kind of absorbed, in a sense concentrated, in in the talk. And these five qualities are all the qualities of a kind of absorbed, concentrated mind, like really present. And so he'd give talks about generosity. And I don't know, we don't know what he says. No, they don't... Uh, specifying the text, uh, you know, what exactly he said. But, uh, so what that means to me is that when it's unspecified, then it's up to us, for ourselves, to understand, to figure out how do we get really inspired? How do we become a better person? By reflecting on considering the topic of generosity. For me, uh, I lived for years in, uh, you know, secluded from the world, uh, you know, living in deep mountainous monasteries um, in, in here in this country and in Asia, and it was lovely. It was uh, fantastic for me, and um, no regrets having done that. And um, and it's quite wondrous to be in society. Here I am in Redwood City, in a in the middle of a city and to living the kind of the full life of a householder here, and, uh, and to see how much generosity there is that I never knew when I was younger, knew about. And, um, and you know, like, for example, raising children here, and uh, seeing all the adults, so many who are putting on sports events and coaches and um, all kinds of things, are volunteering their time, their generosity to make a rich life for the children going up here. And I think it was really something to uh, experience so much generosity for children. There could have been more, certainly, but what I saw was, you know, inspiring. And then, uh, caring for my mother as she, uh, aged and, and then, you know, went through her dementia and, and died. Again, I saw so much generosity. The particular care place where uh, she was we, she was in, it was phenomenal to me. The generosity, the care, the kindness, the love that she received, and there were so many, there also there were so many volunteers who came to offer extra things for the people there, the care home, and um, musicians who came and played, and artists and all kinds of things that came and did things with people there. And then I live here, you know, I came here to this place in Redwood City. Uh, IMC is, I think of it, it's kind of like mid, in the middle of the city and um, and it's become a wonderful uh, collection here of so many generous people I mean, IMC is completely run by volunteers and volunteers volunteer out of their generosity out of their care, their love their happiness and um, and to be kind of experiencing the growth this phenomenal kind of outpouring of generosity that's allowed this community to grow and develop, and we do so much here and and our at our retreat center. So inspire this there's a lot of gla- uh, generosity that's inspiring and brings out the best in people and does something to my heart that just makes it kind of open and soften. and And then there's ethics to be inspired by people's ethics. There's plenty of if you read the news, of course, there's a, not the opposite of being ethical. Uh, virtue doesn't stand high in uh, front page news. But uh, uh, for every horrible story in in the news, there are lots and lots and lots of unsung heroes of ethics—people who have committed to to being honest, to be to uh, not steal, not kill, uh, not lie—and you know. A lot of this, what people don't do, um, uh, is never seen because there's nothing to see. And so it's not celebrated, it's not appreciated. But there's a phenomenal amount of, uh, of uh, ethical people in the world. And I see lots of little examples as I go through my day. And there's plenty of examples of the opposite, of course. But uh, where does our minds settle on? What does it focus on? What is the world we want to live in? Do we want to live in the world of an of uneth- of, uh, unethical world? Or do we want to live in an ethical world? If we want an ethical world, be ethical. Love ethics, love virtue, love this kind of... And, um, and recognize it, see it, appreciate how much it's here. Be inspired by it. And then the absence of the hindrances is, uh, in the Buddhist teachings, is, a, is meant to be a source of gladness source of contentment, of happiness, wow, finally, uh, I'm not uh, in debt, not in prison, not a slave to the hindrances. Something else, I'm not, now I'm here, and kind, in a certain kind of way, more in charge rather than hindrances and desires, charge. And then the Buddha gave, a, part of this series of talks was he gave a talk on the, the first hindrance, um, an <clears throat> essential desire so as a hindrance, it's clear, it's a problem. And, uh, but uh, I think he ha- highlighted as being a particular characteristic of the human realm is that people are very driven by sensual desire and sensual comfort. And, um, <clears throat> and there's a way in which that <clears throat> there's dangers in pursuing sensual desires. Um, lots of people make all kinds of horrible mistakes and suffering in the world and harm others through the pursuit of sensual desires of different types. There's, um, uh, the, he talked about the dangers of it. He talked about the vanity of sensual desires. It's interesting to kind of think how vanity or conceit is part of it, especially when it hurts other people. And he talked about the, the stain of sensual desire, and in the modern kind of English-speaking world, I don't think we like so much to think about that. There's stains, but there's a way in which we feel kind of, you know, if you really feel some of the ways that people act around sensual desire, where they objectify other people, for example, and it's all about their own pleasure and not about a human connection, Um, there's a stain, there's a diminishment, there's a contraction within. And to feel the benefit, the ethical dimension of how to live with our sensuality ethically, um, it can be inspiring to feel this. So to be inspired by this, to feel goodness of it, to feel the, uh, the, um, what's going right in our life, um, so that we have the right balance of input into our hearts, so that our heart is not weighed down or struggling and um, how do we get the right input? How do we get inspired enough? Not the inspire inspiration where uh, we lose ourselves, but you know, uh, you know, but rather the inspiration that allows for a deep kind of availability, full presence for this world and for our experience and for here, so that we're ready to be changed. We're happy. The unhappy is to not the opposite of being ready for change is to be maybe caught and re- tight and limited and deflated and, but to be happy in a way yes I have the courage I have the willingness I have the availability of trying something new of trying a new way and being a new way of letting go of some places where I'm stuck letting go of some things I'm holding on to Yes, I'm available. So um, the, um, so these are all wholesome qualities. The Buddha said, it's possible to cultivate the wholesome. If it's not possible to cultivate the wholesome, I would not tell you to do so. But it is possible to cultivate the wholesome. And so that's my instruction. And so here, these are some of the wholesome qualities that the Buddha kind of held up as being valuable in preparing to be changed, to be open, to really let the full impact of this Dharma practice work. And um, so to be ready to be malleable, a malleable mind, to be, have a ready, it's all about the mind. It says a, a ready mind, a malleable mind, a mind free of the hindrances, an inspired mind. And then tomorrow, it's the trusting mind, luminous mind. So, um, so for today, if you'd like for your homework, your life work, is to um, uh, see if you can be not exactly happier, but see if you can tune in to the parts of what's happening here in this life of yours that does make you happy, glad, inspired. Don't give so much, notice how much priority, statistically, you know, in terms of time, uh, how much priority you give to things which are the opposite of inspiring, the opposite of making you happy. Because whatever your mind is involved in and think about does have an impact on our mood, our emotions, our heart. And is your mind spending a lot of time with things which are not inspiring, not uh, happy producing? And if, And can you switch the the percentage, to have more percentage of the time, not all the time, but just maybe just, you know, 10% more, uh, focused on what's inspiring, what's happy and good. I love the word good these days. What is really good? What's the goodness of the moment here? So thank you. I hope that uh, this homework, life work of inspiration Um, is good for you and good for the people around you today. Thank you.